Sometimes I think it's easy to forget when you're watching artists at the top of their game. I don't, you know, I don't care if it's an actor, dancer, painter, musician, stand-up comedian, how much courage it takes for them to put themselves on the line. Risking, you know, the the ridicule, the haters, the, the glare of social media, the, just the, the criticism, the shit that comes with putting yourself out there. So I'm talking about courage, you know. Courage to prize your sense of truth, to prize your authenticity, to work without apology. Very difficult, I think, to do, and, and we can forget that when we're watching people's work. And if you stay open, every once in a while, you'll appreciate an artist in a different way, see them in a different way because of their work or what they're doing. And I'm, we're going to talk about that today and a bunch of other things that have piled up on my desk. It is a solo episode today, my friends, so put the phone back in your pocket. Creating Behavior starts now. My fellow daydreamers, yes, it's a solo episode today, and I'm, I'm just going to get right to it, okay? I'm not going to bullshit around today. I've got some things that I want you to check out, some people that I believe that you really should know about, and uh, give you some, some things to contemplate, and then we're going to get the hell out of here. <clears throat> All is well on the home front. Uh, the studio is it's up and running. It's about 80% done. It's that little final stage, getting to the punch list phase of construction, which is really great, and um, I just keep moving forward with it, work through my insecurities and my fears. Uh, Trish is fantastic, and uh, Wally Boy is uh, living his best life, <laughs> I can tell you that. We went, to, uh, we went to a nature preserve yesterday, and man, he has got a shitload of energy, uh, played in the played in the lake and ran up and down the trails. It was a lot of fun. Let me get right to it. Somebody that I think you should know, certainly, and hopefully you do, but if you don't, know who Wole Soinka is. W-O-L-E-S-O-Y-I-N-K-A. Wole Soinka. He is certainly one of the greatest living writers at the age of 87, Nigerian-born. He is the first African-American to win the Nobel Prize in literature. The first African winner. Um, an amazing writer. He's a, a novelist, a playwright. One play that you should read of his, it's his most famous, Death and the King's Horseman. Is a play that you should certainly know about, but you should know who he is, Wole. This is a man who has merged his entire life, activism and art, and I'm bringing him up today because he's got his first novel out in almost 50 years, his first novel in half a century, and it's called Chronicles from the Land of the Happiest People on Earth. 
You need to get it. You need to read it. I'm waiting for my copy to arrive, and uh, I just think it's important. And when I talk about merging activism and art, this is a guy who, when he was younger, he held up a radio station at gunpoint, and this is back in his home country of uh, Nigeria, to keep them from broadcasting false and fake election results. He was so outraged at the corruption and the... Um, just the hypocrisy of his government that he held up a radio station, put a gun to the DJ's head and told him to read the truth. It was, I mean, talk about brazen. Talk about brave. He spent two years in solitary confinement for just voicing his opinions, for being um, agitating in that way. He was an agitator, you know. Um, he's done a lot to protest injustice. He tore up his U.S. green card when Trump was elected. You know, I, I respect that. If I could tear up something, I would have done the same thing. He's been charged with treason. He's he's been forced into exile out of his country. He's spent years living abroad, snuck back into his country, and now you know at 89 he's he's revered. And he's got, a, he's got a book. And I, I just think that you should know who he is. You should read, certainly, a couple of his plays and, and get this book. And when I start reading it, I will absolutely talk about it. Another big thing that happened in the last couple of weeks uh, at the Met, the Met Opera, for the first time. First time in, oh, I don't know. I mean, it opened in 1883, the Met. And in all that time, they've never put on an opera written, composed by an African-American. They've put over 300 operas on that stage since they opened in 1883. Not one from a black composer. So that's why it was a big deal when Terrence Blanchard's opera Fire Shut Up In My Bones premiered at the Met. It's a big deal. It's inspired and based off Charles Blow's memoir. Charles Blow, op-ed columnist for the New York Times. But Terrence Blanchard took his book and um, wrote an opera. And it's just a it's a it's a big deal. It's important. Whether you ever you know get to New York City or you get there to see it, you should certainly know about it. And. Um, he said something in particular. It was a good article in the New York Times about about him, about his process. He said, uh, the key to all of this for me is I don't want to be the token. I want to be the turnkey. I just love how that sounds. I think it's also the, the alliteration of token and turnkey. I appreciate it. But um, if you don't know who Terrence Blanchard is, educate yourself a little bit read up on him and know what's going on uh, at the Met. It's important. We had a, a, the death of a iconic artist in the last couple of weeks. Melvin Van Peebles. If you don't know who Melvin Van Peebles is, get out your phone and start reading. He died at the age of 89. And uh, this guy, I mean... Melvin Van Peebles 
had one of the most eclectic, unbelievable lives of uh, any artist I've I've read about or have been aware of. Um, he's been called by many the godfather of modern black cinema. Certainly, there wouldn't be you know a Spike Lee or a Barry Jenkins or any of these great um, African American directors. If it wasn't for him, this is a guy who wrote musical theater. He wrote plays. He wrote books. He wrote books in English. He wrote books in French. He was a film director. If you want to watch one film of his, 1971, <laughs> he, he made this film called Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. And badass was spelled with like four S's at the end. It's just known as Sweetback, really, now. 1971. Came out during that time when Gordon Parks was putting out Shaft and these exploitation films, you know, that were um, kind of changing um, cinema back in the early 70s. He raised the money for that film, shot that film, wrote that film, directed that film, <laughs> starred in it. Um, unbelievable. Won the Tony nomination for, like, best book, I believe, back in the 70s for um, a musical called Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death. It's actually coming to Broadway next year. His son, Mario, is uh, part of the producing team on that. But he, he had just a, an eclectic life. And when I think about versatility, somebody who just did so much, so much with his life. It's humbling and it's inspiring. And so if you don't know who Melvin Van Peebles is, please read his obituary, if nothing else, in the New York Times. There's a great article in the Atlantic as well. Um, and know who he is. All right. Now, I also want to direct you guys to a, an incredible resource for you you know I'm always I'm continually amazed at some of the, the work some of the projects that have been born out of the pandemic Maya Cade M-A-Y-A C-A-D-E Maya Cade has put something into the world that is so valuable she created the Black Film Archive just was released and, and posted here back in August and it is a, a, a catalog of black film it really covers all of the major cinema created by black artists from around 1915 all the way up through like 1980 there's almost 300 films um, all the way through the 1910s, the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. She breaks them down by genre: black exploitation, sports, comedy, westerns, drama, music, documentary. And I'll just read uh, this from her at the beginning um, of the BlackFilmArchive.com. She said, for the past year, I've spent most of my time pondering one question. What does it mean to make black film history accessible 
Today, I'm proud to launch Black Film Archive, an evolving project that serves as my current response to this expansive question. In its first iteration, Black Film Archive lists every black film made between 1915 and 1979 that is currently streaming with every description written by herself. It's a free platform, it's open resource, and it's been really created with all of us in mind. And a couple jumped out at me as I was perusing the library. It's, it's overwhelming. It's the kind of thing you just have to slowly work through. There's a really great film, a Ruby D film, called Uptight. I think it came out in the, in the late 60s. She, she co-wrote it, she co-stars in it, and uh, it really, it takes place kind of that post-Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, period, right after his assassination. It's a very radical, very political Hollywood film, and uh, it's directed by Jules Dassin, D-A-S-S-I-N. There's another great film called Buck and the Preacher. It stars Sidney Poitier, Ruby Dee, and Harry Belafonte. Talk about a trio. It's a, a Western. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they have to take this, this wagon train of, of uh, newly freed slaves out west to, uh, to claim some land and, and build some homesteads. And uh, one other one that I'll give you. That, that popped out to me that you should you should watch is called Cabin in the Sky. Now this is back in the '40s, and it stars a young Lena Horne. It's like one of her first films ever. Um, I think it stars Ethel Waters as well. It's um, is directed by Vincent Vanelli, I believe, and uh, just it's great. It's a great film to see Lena Horne uh, early on in her career. But that's just three. You got about another 250 to go. So uh, I hope you use it as a resource. I'm reading a book right now. I'll pass it along to you. I think it's important to add to your library. I think if you are a um, an actor, performer, certainly uh, it's important. It's a great resource material, and it's going to educate you a little bit. It's called A Little Devil in America by Hanif Abdurakir, A-B-D-U-R-R-A-Q-I-R, Hanif Abdurakir, and the subtitle is Notes in Praise of Black Performance, and he covers over a span of, I don't know, a good 100, 150 years, um, history of, of black performance, notable uh, artists, and I've just started reading it, so I can't really give you a full assessment of it, but right now, uh, the chapter I'm reading is just talking about um, dance marathons and how um, they were such a big part of that post-World War II time and uh, what they were about. I don't know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the book, so I think you, you should read it as well. All right, so get that the Little Devil in America. A good documentary. A good documentary to watch, if you haven't already, is Val. You can get it on Amazon. It is a documentary on Val Kilmer. It's one of the 
<laughs> I'll tell you, it's one of the, the better documentaries I've ever seen on the life of an actor. Now, Val Kilmer, this is a guy who basically had a camcorder strapped to himself everywhere he went for about 25, 30 years, from being a kid with his brothers making films and uh, playing around with video all the way up through his rise as a movie star. And so it's a documentary that's kind of pieced together all of his his vast archive of everything he shot on every film set, you know, with the actors he was working with, and just his creative life. This was a guy who really, really took himself seriously. And, you know, if you just know him from Top Gun, you know him as Iceman, or you watched Heat, you know, a couple of his blockbuster films, you might not understand how obsessed he was with being a first-rate actor. I mean, he went to New York City, got trained, got into either Juilliard or NYU, I can't remember. But he trained at the, you know, one of the best programs in the United States and just took himself seriously. Wanted to do really, really good work. He did, man. If you if you watch anything of Al Kilmer's, you gotta watch Tombstone. His Doc Holiday in that film was an exceptional piece of character acting. Best thing in the film. The film is great. It's about you know Wyatt Earp and the OK Corral and uh, the big shootout that happened there. Um, but man. It's a great documentary, and you know he's been he's been stricken with uh, throat cancer, and so you know he, he he has to speak through a tracheotomy, and you know his acting career is 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 pretty much over now because of that. He's a, a little frail, um, you know. Life has not been kind to him on that regard, but man, he's an artist. He paints. He sculpts. He. He's reflective on the artistic process. It's a great documentary. So I highly encourage you to watch Val on Amazon. And yesterday I finally watched the first episode of Squid Game. Listen, this is, this is uh, a must. If nothing else, you have to watch the, the first episode. Because there's some really good acting. This is a South Korean film. It's fucked up. Uh, if you don't know what it's about, it's about this degenerate <laughs> gambler who is down on his luck. And uh, he ends up becoming part of this, of this television show, this game that he's playing with about 450 other people. They signed this, like, vague contract to participate in these games. And, uh, they're different ones, but one of them is red light, green light. And if they move when they're not supposed to, they're killed by sniper rifle. And so the, the, the stakes of these games are literally life and death. 
but they have a chance to walk away with like 40 million dollars and all of these people are really really desperate hard up in a lot of financial trouble and are willing to put themselves in this position it's it's psychological horror it's inventive it's i've never seen anything like it but one performance in particular in the pilot it's the star of the show lee jung jay he plays uh, the character's name is is gi hun it's down on his luck he's a gambler he owes a ton of money to some loan sharks and um, he's in a tough spot but there are a number of moments in the pilot where he needs to be fully alive, a, a, a deep, meaningful response. He's at the track, he's watching, you know, horses race. When he wins, when he loses, when uh, he's begging for his life, there's so much behavior, so much acting in the pilot from him. It, it's, it's just first rate. And uh, you're, you're watching an actor who is playing full out with themselves. Who is not afraid to create behavior. And uh, it's absolutely worth watching if you stick with it. Uh, I think uh, you'll, you'll certainly be piped in. It's the number one show on Netflix right now. And this is a show that got like no publicity. It's not like it's gotten you know, written about uh, pre-release. This is all word of mouth. So check out Squid Game and uh, appreciate the first-rate acting of Lee Jung-jae. The other thing I watched yesterday was Lizzo's TED Talk on the history of twerking. Somebody had mentioned it to me, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna I want to check this out. And so I watched it. It's about 13 minutes. I think you need to, I think you need to listen to it for one big reason. Is what I talked about at the open about courage, the the ability as an artist to be able to put yourself on the line. And in this TED talk, you know, she talks about the, the derivation and the history of twerking. You know, its roots in African dance. That it is a a move. It's a it's a it's a movement that was created by. African Americans has been um, promoted by African Americans, and like most things in this, certainly in this country, gets appropriated by white culture. You know, uh, it was just interesting to watch because she was really basically embracing her ass, as she calls it, her fat ass, her big ass. It's made her millions of dollars her ass and she talks about that and what is I found interesting it was just one thing she said that just has stuck with me she says I have become successful I have become hugely successful on the one thing that I'm most insecure the one part of my body that I hate which is her ass the one that of herself that makes her the most insecure but it's also something that she's embraced you know she's embraced it and um it just started me thinking about about courage and i you know i don't know if you've listened to or or read interviews with her and she talks very candidly about how hurt she can get 
from the just the cruelty of people, right? Who, you know, make fun of her or who say, you know, nasty, rude things, you know, post shit, write awful things about her. And how and how painful that is, how much that hurts. And yeah, it just made me think about the courage you have to have to to be artistic. To really risk, you know, putting something out there on the line for yourself. Risking failure and, uh, and criticism. It's not easy to weather that. And, you know, my wish for you as, as actors and um, artists is that you check in with yourself every once in a while. If you find yourself afraid, if you find yourself diminished in some way whether that's by other people or even by yourself, by your own inner monologue. If you find yourself small in certain ways, you know? I, I watched that TED Talk, I listened to her, and that inspires me. It gives me um, an opportunity to just check back in with myself, you know? Uh, I gained a newfound respect for her. Not that I didn't respect her to begin with, you know, but I just, I see her in a different way now. I just, wow, you're just really, you're something else. You're really something special. I mean, her music is dope. It's off the hook. It's incredible. And the other thing I took from that talk, and if you, if you watch it, is just her spirit. She has got a, um, an uplifting kindness about her, just the way she was putting herself out there in that talk and the way she was expressing herself and the joy she had with um, talking about the derivation of the twerk was great. So I, I recommend it, please. I think you'll, uh, you'll enjoy it. I told you I was going to get you in and out of here in under 30 minutes. That's all I have for you guys today. It's quick. Just a couple of things. Uh, I hope you uh, check them all out. I hope you enjoy them. And... Uh, Use, use the fall, my friends. Use the fall. Use this transition to get back to some good habits. Add one or two things back into your life that maybe have fallen by the wayside that are going to help you feel like the creative artist that you are. Well, my fellow daydreamers, thank you, really, for sticking around on this one, keeping that phone in your pocket. You can subscribe and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a few minutes, you can go to iTunes, leave a review. That would be fantastic. You can go to creatingbehaviorpodcast.com. You can go to that contact page, hit that red button, use SpeakPipe, and leave me a message. Ask me a question. Share a thought or two. Let me know what you're thinking. You can go to MaggieFlanaganStudio.com if you are interested in getting back into the classroom either in New York City or online anywhere in the world. You can follow me on Instagram at CreatingBehavior at MaggieFlanaganStudio. Lawrence Trailer, thank you for the music, my man. You guys keep feeding your intellectual curiosity. Play full out with yourself and don't ever settle for your second best. My name is Charlie Sandlin. Peace. <laughs>